Christmas story. We all have our own Christmas story. Now, there is the Christmas story, and that's unchanging. God's message and God's word is unchanging, no matter what culture says, no matter what we think, no matter what our opinions are. But we also all have our Christmas story. Now, some of it is familial. It's in the family, and each of our families have different ways of doing Christmas. Sometimes, for some young couples that get married, one of the first big fights they have after the honeymoon, but one of the first big fights they have is at Christmas because the other one doesn't know how to do Christmas correctly. Been there? I mean, some open all their presents on Christmas Eve. Some only Christmas morning. Some do one on Christmas Eve and then do some on Christmas morning. Some pass out all the presents at once and then just go for it. It's a snowstorm of wrapping paper. Others methodically, one at a time, around the circle. Some require you to guess what the present is before you're allowed to open it and all kinds of others. There are certain foods that you must have at Christmas, but they're not all the same in all of our homes. And so for many of those couples, that first thing is, that's not discussed ahead of time, usually. I include it in my premarital counseling because experience says you should. Because we're sure how we grew up is how it ought to be done. And they're doing it wrong. And I don't know if you've realized this or not, but in a relationship, to say the other person is doing something wrong is not good, usually. And for those of you that are obsessive, compulsive about that and feel like you must say it whenever it happens, I'm praying for you. And me. But there is the Christmas story, then there's our Christmas story. And I don't just mean by the traditions, I mean the truth of the story of Jesus' birth. The truth of the characters. And so each week in this series, we started last week, we're looking at Christmas, hopefully in a fresh way, from the perspective of a different character or characters each week. Last week we looked at Mary and from her view, the teenage girl and all of the unexpected that came and the things that couldn't be explained by any natural circumstance and wasn't understood by many people. Today we're going to look at Joseph. Next Sunday we're going to take a look at a character of Christmas maybe you've never heard a whole message about and that's King Herod. Then we're going to look at the shepherds and then the star of the show, Jesus himself. By the way, on two weeks from today, on the 18th, the children are going to be doing some songs, uh, worshiping with us and leading us in some stuff. So don't, don't miss that. They're working hard and been practicing on that. And uh, you need to be here to support them, whether you have any kids in the children's program or grandkids there or not. Because we're part of the family of God, which means these are your kids and your grandkids. You don't have to buy them Christmas presents, but... We're in this together. 
The story we're looking at this morning is from Joseph's point of view. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles or your Bible on your devices into the New Testament, the beginning of the New Testament, to Matthew chapter 1. We'll be looking at the end of that chapter, beginning at verse 18, and also a couple of verses in chapter 2. Now, Joseph is what I call the man in the middle in the Christmas story. Joseph did not have the advantage of knowing ahead of time what was going to happen. Mary did. She kind of had to. I mean, the, the angel let her know, here's what's coming. But Joseph didn't know about this until Mary was pregnant. The man in the middle. His fiance, the word that's used in some of the translations is betrothed, and I mentioned to you last week to be engaged or pledged to be married is not the same as engagement in our day. It was a legally binding agreement. To break an engagement required a divorce, not just a let's not do this. Um, so here's Joseph expecting the love of his life, soon-to-be wife, pledged to each other. And then she's pregnant, but he hasn't been with her. She says the child is of God. And he loves her and trusts her. He's a devout follower of Jehovah God, but this doesn't make sense. He was the man in the middle. And it's a beautiful story of how we should live as well. Follow with me. Matthew chapter 1, beginning of verse 18. says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph's viewpoint, just like Mary, I'm sure he was confused. But in this case, Joseph was also hurt. He was confused and hurt. Have you ever felt that way? One or both? And you take a look at this, that the birth of Jesus took place. Mary engaged to Joseph, contracted, committed to one another. But before 
that could be consummated, she was pregnant. So he was going to do what was expected, which was divorce her. But he was a just man, as we're going to look at in a little bit. And he did not want to cause her any harm. He was confused, but he was also hurt. You see, he thought that Mary had broken their commitment. I mean, how else does this happen? The angel told him, and Joseph obeyed what the angels told him, but humanly, it just seemed off. At least before the angel spoke to him, he certainly thought she had broken their commitment. I don't know if there was any doubt in his mind afterward or not, but we do know that from the beginning. He also felt betrayed. I mean, how could this happen? Not just physically, how could this happen? But it's a natural question. I mean, what do you do when you believe you've been betrayed? And not only that, but in this case, it was public knowledge. Pregnancy can only be hidden for so long. Then it becomes obvious. This was one that was known. He felt betrayed, confused, and hurt. What do you do when you feel betrayed or hurt? By someone you love. Joseph's view also, he had to be wondering, what is this? I mean, he had never heard of anything like this. He had certainly never seen anything like this. He was wondering what's going on. Verse 20, as he considered these things, so we know he was thinking of this, trying to figure this out. He wasn't reacting rashly or impulsively. He was considering it. And one of the things that struck me this week especially, and every time I read this, is how thoughtful Joseph was. A great reminder of how we should be in our relationships. He didn't just react. He was considering what's going on. What should I do? He had to ask the same question that Mary did when we looked at it last week. What now? <laughs> what do we do at this point? This isn't what I had planned. What do I do now? Culture tells you to give it up. Hey, they betrayed you. They hurt you. Either take off or tell them to take off. In fact, I've shared this a couple of times in the past, but the difference in an engagement at that time and engagements today is you can go to some jewelry stores and rent an engagement ring. Even a whole wedding set. Now, how is that for commitment? With this ring, I rent. <laughs> so you understand who Joseph was and no wonder he was asking these questions. What? Now, what do I do now? And the one that we all consider, though we don't like to admit it, is what will others think? What are they going to think of me? I'm not really a man. What will others think of me? I can't believe he didn't send her away. What will others think at that point? What's with Joseph? What's wrong with him? 
Now, we cannot run our lives by what others think, except what God thinks. But the others being those around us. When you run your life by what others think, the problem is it is going to change continually because there will be different others around you. And the others won't stay consistent in what they think. I, I love sports. I, I'm a sports fanatic. Um, by the definition of fan in the dictionary, my name and picture is in there along with some of you. Bill Pullian, who was a general manager for my football team, I hate to admit that this year, but the Indianapolis Colts, used to say that as a general manager, if he listened to what the fans said and wanted, he would soon be sitting with them instead of in his office. Spiritually, that's not bad advice. If you try to live for Christ by what everyone else thinks, if it doesn't match what it says in the word, you're in trouble. Not everybody who makes a claim is following the word. Not everybody who says, yea, God, is following Christ. What others think is not near as important as your relationship with Jesus Christ. Joseph is a perfect example of that. Joseph also begins to show us the way to live. And that is that he listened and obeyed. He listened and he obeyed. There's an old little chorus we used to sing, trust and obey, for there's no other way. Well, listen and obey is pretty good also. And maybe a lost art in our culture is the first part of that. Listen. We have a tendency not to. Have you noticed that? Or we're only listening for how we're going to attack. Or we're not listening because we're setting up our attack. Even our news programs, and I hate to call them that, the opinion programs that are supposed to be news, have a tendency just to talk over each other. There's no listening that takes place. Joseph listened and he obeyed. And what is beautiful about this is he did it over and over and over. Verse 24 and 25 of chapter 1. When Joseph woke from the sleep, from the vision, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus as he had been instructed. And you jump down into chapter 2 verse 14. And another time, the angel told him, um, verse 13, Rise, take the child, his mother, and flee to Egypt and remain there till I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him or kill him. And verse 14, And he rose and took the child and his mother by night, departed to Egypt, and remained there. And then you jump down a little further, verse 21 
or verse 20, actually, it says, rise, the angel told him again, take the child, his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. I just come back every year when I study the Christmas story. I keep coming back and back and back to the fact that every time God gave Joseph a message. The next thing that's recorded is he did it. Man, I want to live that way. Don't you? He did it. I'm afraid too many times if somebody were narrating my life, they would have to insert something else in there even when I did obey. And that would be he rose and asked several more questions before he did it. I don't think God's afraid of our questions and we need to ask him. He already knows what we're thinking anyway. But I want to get to this point. I want to be like Joseph. I want to hear what God wants and then get up and do it. Because what I've discovered is when I just take the next right step, you haven't heard that for a while. The next step God wants me to take. Why and how and what if begins to get answered. And even if it doesn't, it's still the right move. When we did our series on God still God and we looked at the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. When they looked at King Nebuchadnezzar and said, our God can save us from this fire and from your hand. But even if he doesn't, we need to live that way. Joseph was no longer worried about what everyone else thought. He got up and did what God directed. And then he got up and did what God directed. Then he got up and did what God directed. I love the example of Joseph. What a great view of the Christmas story. You see, obedience and listening was Joseph's default behavior. Listen to what God is saying, then do what he says. It's simple. Not easy, because we are who we are, and we like to control things, right? Turn to the person next to you and say, you like to control things. Ah, some spouses were chicken. You thought I was going to say, turn to them and say, I like to control things. <laughs> but we do. But Joseph did what the Lord said. And I want you to understand, you notice since this was Joseph's pattern, it was easier to obey. Even under confusing and hurting circumstances. And this truth will never change. Obedience is easier if you listen. Obedience is easier if you listen. It's also easier if you develop a pattern of being obedient. When it becomes your default, it takes a lot less time. You use a lot less energy 
and you have a lot more joy. See, if you don't listen, how will you know what you're supposed to do? You ever been in a conversation with someone where you're trying to give them instructions and before you finish the instructions, they're going, oh yeah, 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 I got it. How do you know? I haven't finished telling you what I want you to do. I think God says that to me often. Dennis, just listen. Let me finish. It's a lot easier to obey when we listen. And it's a lot easier if that becomes our pattern, just like it was for Joseph. My grandpa Owens reminds me a lot of Joseph. My grandpa was a pretty quiet man. He's not the one that got the headlines. Joseph isn't the one who gets the headlines. Grandpa just did what he was supposed to do with his family, with his life. He was a farmer in his community, how he served. He didn't say a lot, which meant when he did say something, we really listened. I remember hearing so many comments at the visitation before his funeral of people talking about his example and his wise counsel. And one of the things I began to notice is everybody who told the story about his wise counsel, it was always a short story. Because grandpa just got to the point. <laughs> and I thought about that. Grandpa lived a lot like Joseph. See, I always knew beside his recliner, he had a table beside my grandma's rocker. They were always in the same place in the living room. They each had a table on the outside of their chairs with a lamp, and both of them had a Bible on there that was well-worn. They listened, and they obeyed. What would change in your life if you would just start listening first, completely listen, and then do what God said? Do what his word said. How different would your relationships be? How different would your relationship with him be? Joseph. It's a great example. And also, I believe in Joseph's view of the story, we see why he was able to do this. Because the scripture tells us he was a just, compassionate, and kind person. The scripture, in fact, just says that about him. In verse 19, her husband Joseph being a just man was going to treat her with compassion. Divorce her quietly, not bring any shame or undue attention to her. He was a just, compassionate, and kind man. Verse 24 and 25, he woke from his sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. That obedience, that kindness, that compassion, and that justice was in him. 
The reason is because he loved God. He was a righteous man, following after God, his word, and God's will for his life. His life was driven by his love for God. Everything he did flowed out of his love for God. Therefore, because he loved God and obeyed God, he loved and cared for others. Now listen very carefully. If you claim to love God, claim to be a follower, then you will love others. You will care for them. You'll care about what happens to them. For claiming to be a follower of Christ, but not loving or caring for others is a contradiction and cannot be true. You cannot follow Christ and not care for others. You cannot follow Christ and not have love for others. I didn't say agreement. I said love. What if all of us who claim to love Christ, who claim to love God, who claim to be a follower would follow and love like he did. Not like we want, not like society tells us, not like the books and the movies, but like Jesus, like Joseph, like so many others who've gone before us. Interesting the finish of this story is the same as Mary's. Their roles were different, but the finish is the same. For you see, the results of the man in the middle, the results of Joseph, who was confused and hurt, wondering, the results are just like Mary's. Because of what he did, he changed the world. Because you see, that baby who he called Jesus changed the world. Joseph obeyed. And the result is the world was changed. History is divided by his birth. You go, well, that, that's great, but I'm just me. Well, here's the great news. You're right. You're just you. But the good news is, if you're a follower of Christ, it's not just you. It's you and him. And he can do amazing things. For you see, the results of Joseph's story, the results of Mary's story, is that the world was changed. And the same can be true for you. God can use ordinary people. Mother Teresa said it well, and I, I won't have the quote exact, but she said, small acts of love can change the world. When we love Christ and follow his example, when we love his word and follow what it says, 
when we just keep taking that next right step. As little as it may appear, we can change the world. Our problem is we have a tendency to look at all the stuff out there and become defeated by it instead of looking at all the stuff out there and finding something we can do. You go, well, that's not going to affect everybody. Not at first. But you never know what can get started. It only takes a spark to start a fire. Fires are not instantly large and roaring. Neither are movements. Neither are families. Neither are relationships. It starts with taking that first right step. You can change the world. You can change your world and beyond. And together, we can change the world. Who would have thought that we could have an impact in places far away? My memories yesterday on Facebook, it came up that eight years ago, right now, Jody and I were in Kenya visiting our son and daughter-in-law and five grandkids as they're serving as missionaries. Seeing some of those pictures took me back to that and made me want to go for another visit. Who would have known that a young couple who weren't near as mature as they thought they were when they got married would eventually have kids around the United States and now around the world serving Christ and making a difference in the lives of people I will never know this side of heaven. You can change your world. And if we all just bump into each other as we do that, we can change the world. But you have to say Yes, just like Joseph did. After the angel told him, he got up and did what he said. Every time God spoke to him, Joseph got up and did what he said. This would be a great day to start doing that. Don't you think? Jesus, thank you. For the example of Joseph. For the example of one who looked awful unassuming. Who looked like he was being taken advantage of according to the world standards. But who simply took the next right step. Who simply listened to what you said and obeyed. Lord help us. To be willing and courageous enough to follow Joseph's example. To listen clearly to what you say. And then do what you say. Oh Lord, if we would begin to do that, our lives would change. This church would be changed 
our community would be impacted. And with you taking the lead, even the world would, be, would feel the impact of our obedience. Lord, guide us as we go from here today Help us to start saying yes to what you desire. In Jesus' name, amen.